Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Now, from Happy Valley, here's your host, Brian Tripp. Welcome into another episode of Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Brian Tripp joined this time by Penn State baseball head coach Rob Cooper. And coach, we're doing this in December. And you look out, I see green grass out there. I thought I saw a ball player out throwing earlier. You've got a great view. You probably have the best office on the entire campus. You're overlooking the stadium, the mountain at me. Yeah, I, I, let me tell you, I don't complain about it. One, anytime you can overlook a baseball field, and then one is as nice as this, and, and Mount Nittany, and then on football Saturdays, all the, the tailgating and the atmosphere, it's uh, it's pretty cool. But And not only that, but with Matt Neary being our groundskeeper and stuff, this place always looks great. So uh, before you know it, man, we'll, we'll be out there playing. How would you describe, now that you've become immersed inside the Penn State Athletics Department and the State College community, what it's been like for you and your journey here at Penn State? Well, you know, it's, it's always a place, obviously, before I got here, that you just, people that went here, people that worked here, just loved it. They raved about the university. They raved about the college, the community of the university itself, and then the state college community around it. And then you get here and, you know, everybody's just so, you know, uh, welcoming and, and arms wide open and trying to help you get settled. And, you know, it, it, it's amazing when you're, you know, out of school that has 31 sports. And I can honestly tell you that I, I have a connection and, and, and can legitimately go and talk to any coach in our department. And I've been at places where much smaller athletic departments and all really good people and good coaches, but I still, we were all spread out and still weren't connected. And then, you know, so that part's been great. The administration's been great, the support, but then, you know, this year, especially, you know, when my wife was diagnosed with cancer, whether it was the people at the university, whether it's our players or teammates, and then just this, the city of state college and just the surrounding community, the love, the support, the prayers has been, you know, it's something that my family and I, my wife and I, and my family and I will always cherish. And that's one thing I wanted to ask you. How is your wife Mo doing right now? I know she's going through some some radiation. Yeah, she's kicking butt, man. I mean, she is. God has blessed us with you know we're with all the dominoes we've kind of needed to 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 fall um, have fallen in the right direction. You know, she doesn't need chemo, which is a huge deal. She's in her fourth week of seven weeks of radiation and, and, you know, her spirit's good, her mindset's good. And, and she, she has not lost a step. She keeps the three Cooper boys in line all the time and, and she's doing great. And I, and I know for a fact that it has a lot to do with the support that she's gotten from, you know, the, like I said, the community, the university, her coworkers, the coaches here, people that have reached out. It's just, it's been, it's been awesome. It's not the first time you've gone public with something that's personal. You guys could have very easily kept this within your family, your battles with uh, mental health, as well as something that you've gone public with. Why were you able to share that? And why did you feel it was important to share that with those around you? Well, I, you know, I think a couple of things. One, when you're, when you're, when you're a coach at a, at a university, obviously there's a lot of things that, you know, go into that. And when, you know, you're, talking to your players and you tell your players, Hey, look, here's the deal. Mo's been diagnosed with cancer and, and, you know, there's going to be practices or things that I'm, I'm not going to make cause I'm going to make sure that, you know, I'm taking care of her, that she's getting to her, to her appointments that I'm able to, to be her support. Um, and just making sure they knew that. Cause I didn't, you know, I definitely didn't want them to think that they're not important to me. Um, but I also think it's important that you can share stuff like, uh, 
you know, whether it's battling something like my wife's battling or if that helps somebody else out, if that makes somebody else go, you know, Hey, uh, I'm not alone in this. Um, and then also, you know, with, with mental health, especially with, you know, men, you know, we're, we're unfortunately taught to be tough and, and, to you know, not let things bother us and kind of bury it and hide it. And I just think that that's a really bad thing. I think that, you know, being able to talk about it and know that there's not something messed up with you, that it's, you're actually kind of in the majority of everybody has struggles with something. And, you know, if, if we can get people to have the conversation and talk about it and get people help and support, then I, then I think in the long run that, that that's better. And, um, and then on the flip side, it's been good personally too. I mean, you know, the amount of people that have reached out to, to myself or to Mo and been, if you need something, let us know. I went through this or I had the exact doctor you had or whatever. And, and it can get overwhelming, but it also is just like, okay, like, you know, you don't realize how many people are battling the same thing. And so it helped, uh, that helped to calm us down a little bit too. Did that surprise you at all? On both, you know, it's been, it's been great. I, I think that, um, well, first let's talk about the, the cancer part of it. Uh, you know, uh, a really good friend of mine, uh, Chase Jones is the one who started verse cancer and Chase, um, you know, had, had a cancer scare when he was a student athlete at, at the university of North Carolina and started this, um, um, organization and, and the baseball community has really banded together, um, whether it's verse cancer or there's other organizations, but, you know, I was fortunate enough to just be named a, a, a verse cancer ambassador, and again, the amount of people that when I said my wife was battling cancer, coaches that I know, coaches I respect, coaches I've coached against, friends, whatever, reached out, just, hey, let us know how we can help, or hey, my wife went through this, or, you know, matter of fact, very shortly after we announced it, I had to go to the Big Ten coaches meetings, and, you know, our coaches couldn't have been better uh, to me when I was there. So the support has been great. Um, I think the one, you know, trip that people don't realize is, you know, we, we look at, um, coaches and, and, and people of leadership regardless. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily necessarily have to be a coach, but you know, we get, we get to do something really cool. I mean, we're, we're impacting student athletes and young people and we're outside coaching a sport we love. And, and, you know, so don't, you know, I always kind of joke around if I ever have to get a real job, I'm going to be in trouble, but, you know, there is, there is stress and there is, um, you know, we all have our own, you know, demons that we fight when it comes to whether it's self-confidence or whether it's belief or whether, so all those things can contribute to, to mental health. And so it's one of the biggest things that helped me when I kind of was struggling with depression and it, it, I'm not, it wasn't that I was, the depression was linked to anything I do in coaching, but some of the stuff that I shared with friends of mine in coaching and then they shared back again, it just kind of reiterated that, yeah, everything looks so great and in, in, in order in that person's house or whatever, or in their realm. But the truth is they're doing, they're battling some of the same things. And so you, whether it's depression, whether it's just, you know, the, the, uh, the different things that pop up uh, in our career, um, it's it's nice to know that you're not the only one battling it. We've talked about your family and you talked about who you get to do this job with. Well, this year, starting this year, you have a pretty unique experience. Your son Tyson's on the team. 
when did you know that was a possibility and what's it like to have him wearing the blue and white? Well, it's, it's pretty surreal. I mean, it's, um, I'm not going to lie. It's really cool. You know, he, he and his, his, his brother have grown up in the dugout basically when I, as I've been coaching, you know, I'm not going to lie. I've always kind of hoped that he'd be good enough to play at this level and hope, you know, hopefully play for me. But, you know, my thing has always been that for him and his brother, it's their journey. And, 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 you know, I've gotten to do what I've wanted to do. And so just because I want something doesn't mean that that's what they need to, to want. But, but I'll, re- I remember it was, it was after his sophomore year in high school, he's playing in a tournament and, you know, he's playing pretty well and, and he's, he'd gotten better. And, you know, for both my boys, it's, it's kind of tough because, you know, people just assume they were going to come play, you know, play for me or that Tyson was, is going to come, was going to come play for me. Well, um, you know, I'm sitting at a game and watching him play and I'm sitting around with a bunch of coaches from other schools and he had a really good game. And finally a couple of them were like, okay, so what's the deal? Is he playing for you or not? And I'm like, you know, guys, I said, I, I, I would love him to, but I, I said, I can't figure out right now. I'm trying to figure out, is he good because he's good or is he, is he good because I'm his dad and I want him to be good. And they were like, well, look, if you're not going to recruit him, we are. And, um, you know, so I, then it was like, that, that made me feel a lot better that, yeah, what I was seeing was true. But two, um, then I had to also put my dad hat on and go, okay, like, do, do we, do I owe it to him as his dad to, to, you know, let him go look at some other places. And we talked about that a little bit. And then finally one day I came home and, uh, probably about three weeks later and I came home and, my wife and Tyson are in the living room and Mo goes, Tyson wants to talk to you. And I was like, okay, what's up? And he said, I want to play for you. And then we had to have the conversation, uh, about, look, you know, it's going to be tough for you because you're the coach's kid. And, you know, those guys are going to want to know that you're one of them. You know, if you went somewhere else, mom and I could come in for the weekend and I'm just your dad and take your roommates and everybody out to dinner. And you may, invite guys over to our house for dinner and they may go, no, thanks. You know, like, so uh, that that's once we got through that, um, he was all in, wanted to do it. And and I'm proud of him. He's, he's, he did a really good job this fall. You know, unfortunately he's had a little bit of a setback, um, with a, you know, arm injury, but, um, it's been fun and it's been fun to watch him go at it, it, it with his, you know, again, with his journey. I know we've talked about it before, but for fans listening who maybe don't know you as well, what about your coaching journey? When did you know you wanted to get into coaching? How did you get into coaching? Well, so, you know, I, I don't, I, I've said this to you before. Okay. I, I still want to play left field for the Boston Red Sox. Okay. <laughs> uh, that has always been my, my goal, my dream. I just like all of us when we first pick up a ball and a bat, I mean, but you know, my dad was an, my dad was a college teacher. He was an educator, professor. My mom was a, a librarian at the elementary school. So education and teaching were really big in our, in our house. And, um, you know, my dad was my little league coach and then he passed away when I was a freshman in high school. And I still thought I was going to be a big leaguer at that time. But what I was lucky enough to do is, is, is I had great mentors, my high school coach was a huge influence in my life when my dad passed away. Um, still keep in touch with him. My junior college coaches were big parts of my life even before I ever went to school there because they would run camps and I would go to the camps and then I worked the camps. And, and matter of fact, um, I'm the godfather for two of the kids of, of my one junior college coach and he's the godfather for Tyson. So that connection 
and the education piece. One, you know, I I actually when I was in when I was a junior in high school, like I organized like a a, fr- a free clinic for players uh, at the little league that we played at, and I just I just knew that if I wasn't ever to make it to professional baseball that I wanted to coach. I loved that part of it, the teaching, the impact, the connection, that kind of stuff. And then as I got into college and I really saw what, you know, a positive mentor, a positive coach and the doors that they could open for me and the things that they've done, you know, we're sitting in my office right here. Well, everything that I consider sacred in my life, my family, meeting my wife, you know, this job, sitting in this office, coaching for the USA teams, I can all trace it back to those guys. So I knew pretty early that I wanted to coach if I wasn't going to be hitting third for the Red Sox. So when did you find out you probably weren't going to be playing left field for the Red Sox? <laughs> and now you were on the team at the University of Miami. I was, but so it, it, this is a true story. So my junior college coach, Jerry Weinstein, is one of the most respected men ever in college baseball. And it was my freshman year in junior college. And we we're having individual meetings with him about a month and a half into the fall. And he's like, now you got to understand something, Jerry, we, we would have 60 players the very first day of team practice and he wouldn't cut you. You would cut yourself, but he would also be very honest. He'd be like, look, you're, you're not going to get the same amount of practice time as somebody else that I think's better, but I'll never forget. We sat down for my, my meeting and he's like, Coop, we love you. You're a great kid. We love having you. You work hard, great team guy. But if the season started today, you wouldn't play an inning. You're not good enough. And he was right. Like he was right. And it was, you know, I mean, it hurt a little bit, but you're also sitting there going like, okay, well, I'm going to keep, keep stay here and I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep competing. But as I saw guys that were definitely better than me as they moved on, I knew that I could play college baseball. I knew that after that it, it wasn't going to happen. So it was uh, it was the fall of 1989 is when I realized I wasn't going to be playing for the Red Sox. But what I will tell you, Tripp, um, is that he was the man that also then he had coached at Miami, had sent players to Miami, knew that I wanted to be a college coach. He picked up the phone when it was time for me to pick to go to, to when I was looking to go to school, cause I was going to go to Northeastern mm-hmm. or Providence college. And I was going to play there, go to school there. And one day I walked, Jerry asked me to come into his office and, and he said, uh, you know, what would you think about going to the university of Miami? And I was like, well, yeah, that'd be awesome. But he goes, I've already talked to him. You'll be a part of their program. You'll be on the roster as a player. Don't much, how, how much you'll play travel, probably not much, but that's the environment you need to be in uh, if you want to be a coach. And he didn't need to do that. I go back again. If he had just looked at me as a baseball player and what my stats were and, and how much I played, he would have never picked up the phone and did that. And now you're one of the most recognizable people that was at least in one of those classes you had down. Didn't you have a class with a couple <laughs> of famous, uh, famous hurricanes? Yeah. So I had a class at Miami that was um, – the Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson was in it. Warren Sapp was in the class. Rohan Marley was in the class. And then there was Rob Cooper. And uh, one of these kids is doing his own thing. You know what I mean? Um, and for those of you, Rohan Marley, that's Bob Marley's son, who also, I mean, he played football at Miami, but he he also owns like Mar- Marley Coffee. And like, it's one of the 
I mean, the guy's killing it in the business and entertainment world and everything as well. So you go to Wright State as a head coach, a head coaching opportunity there. And and at the time, that, correct me if I'm wrong, that's more of a commuter school and you build the program. You know, the Wright State experience will, will always be one of my favorites, just obviously because it was the first chance I got to be a head coach and and the people there that I, I met and supported us, um, you know, are still people that I'm very close with today. But I, I think more importantly, it was, you know, Obviously, Greg Lovelady was my assist, was one of my assistants the entire time there. Uh, the friendship, the bond that we uh, made and still have. It's looking back at just the players, the players that took a program that you know was again. It's a commuter school, like you know the, the people used to say because you know it's Wright State University, and people would say, "Oh yeah, it's the Wright State wrong school," is kind of the thing they say. And, and you'd have these kids that would get overlooked and and. They started buying in, and next thing you know, we win a championship, and then a re- you know, go to a regional, and then from then on, it was this is the expectation. And the, probably the thing that's the coolest about it, the bar that those guys set, right? The players, like it's it sustained itself since I left, and actually gotten better, which I love that because at the end of the day, it comes from those players and those guys don't want to let the guys behind that, that were there before him down. And, and so, um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm proud to have been a small part of that. Um, I'm proud that, you know, or something I look back at is, is, you know, that was a place where our kids grew up and basically for the most part. And obviously the tremendous success you had and leading to the opportunities with team USA as well. Hearing the national anthem with representing your country mm-hmm. with a, you know, it, it sounds different. That, that's something I'll never forget in, as long as I live. Um, winning a gold medal. You know, I, uh, I was 10 years old when we beat the Russians in hockey. And that, to me, is still the greatest. The 1980 Olympic hockey team still the greatest sporting story ever. And, and that's what made me want to want to be a part of uh, USA, you know, the USA team. So um, baseball has allowed me to do some really cool things. And it's just, it's, it's the relationships trip. It's the players, the coaches, guys like you, people that you meet, and then you, you see where people go. It's pretty cool. So you go from Wright state to, to Penn state and you mentioned a commuter school to a school that's a nationally recognized brand competing in the big 10. What's it been like to build a program here? Well, we're, I mean, we're still building it. You know I mean? It's been um, a tough, a tough, uh, road so far. Um, and I don't mean that negatively. I don't mean it like, uh, you know, as a, again, as a head coach, you want to, you would love to press press the fast forward button to get where you want to get right now, you know, yesterday. Um, when I took the job, I, I was, you know, I, I believed that this place can compete to get to Omaha, that we can be a top 25 type program, um, that we have the things necessary here to be successful. I still believe that. Like, there's not one thing that I think we can do here that, you know, has changed in that period of time. You know, now, there are definitely some things that if I could go back and do over, I would do over. And some things that I've learned since that because of our kind of um, uh, setup here, kind of the way we have to do some things here that I wasn't aware of, um, ahead of time, uh, there's some different things that we would have done. And, and, and it's, it's not anything that can't be overcome. But for example, as you know, traveling with us, um, you know, one of the things I love about Penn State is academics come first, mm-hmm. right? Well, that means that we can't leave campus 
until 2.45 for the most most part because if we leave before that, it counts as half a day. If we leave before noon, it counts as a full day. And we only get so many of those throughout the semester, which makes traveling and practice very, very difficult to, you know, we have not been able to practice on the road prior to a, a Big Ten game over the last couple of years because we're trying to keep our kids in class. Now, great thing is, is that we have an administration that understands that and they've helped me this year kind of, and now me understanding kind of the whole, here's where we got to fly out of, here's where we got to go, here's how we have to do some things, here's how we can also save some some class days. We're now starting to be able to get that schedule set so that we're not at a disadvantage when it comes to practice. And that's not an excuse. That's every coach that goes everywhere. There is a learning. There's an adapting period when you take a job. I'm sure you've heard that from other coaches you talk to within the industry. It only becomes a problem when you make it a problem. You know, Mm -hmm. you, you gotta like people, Oh, the weather. Well, every team in our conference has to deal with the weather. And you know what? Even though like maybe they don't deal with it as much. I mean, you know, weather impacts programs everywhere. So, you know, you have to, you have to make do with, you know, and, 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 and deal with it. So, um, but it's learning stuff like that, to how to better set up our schedule, our travel, our practice, things like that. Um, and then also, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, we had to mend a lot of fences in Pennsylvania and we feel like we've done that. And now we have a better feel for the type of, of young man that really will be successful here academically and competitively. How has the success of the Big Ten, the Indiana teams with Kyle Schwarber and Sam Travis, Michigan this past year going to the College World Series and the National Championship Series, how has that bolstered the Big Ten and how has the Big Ten, how has the success of one program and the continued raising of the bar influenced the conference? Well, so first of all, I think Penn State is a big reason why it's Mm -hmm. like that. You know, when they built Medlar Field, you know, the rest of the the rest of the conference was nowhere close facility wise. And so it's in that time period, you've seen, just like you said, all these, you know, different places invest in nice, really good facilities. Right. So that's elevated the game. Um, And not only that, you've seen, you know, a return on investment in, you know, Indiana, they, their, their ticket sales are unbelievable. You know, the type of player that's coming there now, because, you know, you don't have to um, sacrifice a Big Ten academic education because you don't want to because you because the baseball commitment isn't as strong. Right now that the baseball commitment is strong all throughout our conference, you have these guys that are like, I want to go. To, I want to go to Penn State and get that degree, and I'm going to play baseball at the highest level. We had five teams in the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. last year. I think that's the third time in four years. Obviously, a team almost winning the national title. So the baseball level has really spiked. Where you're also seeing it, the best way to really look at it is think about this trip. In, in the six years that I've been here, you've had TCU come here. You've had Arizona come here. TCU's coming back here. There's no chance that ever happens in the past. But because the Big Ten strength of schedule is so good and the conference is so good, you have teams like those power teams that would have just stayed at home all the time that are now wanting to come to to the play the Big Ten teams because they know that win or lose, it helps them RPI-wise. That's probably the greatest indicator of how much better this conference is. And I think another indicator would be guys turning pro and getting drafted. And sure, it stinks to lose maybe your best pitcher before his 
senior season and not get the four or five years with a guy, but to see even within your program, the Biasi brothers, a guy like Justin Hagenman, and then Jim Haley and Jack Anderson, who are more towards the beginning of your tenure here, the success they're having right now in the minor league level. What's that say about what you've been able to build here at Penn State and as an indicator of the success that you've had? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, whether it's been Eric Mock or Taylor Lehman, I mean, these are kids that came here, trusted Penn State uh, as a place to develop them and become better. Dante Biazzi and Eric Mock, I use those two as examples because, again, it's it's it really speaks to what Sandy Barber and Penn State Athletics and, and the university stand for. These are two guys that had that got hurt in high school and had to have major surgery, right? And unfortunately, at a lot of places, those guys would have never had their scholarships when they showed up on campus. Cause unfortunately the way college baseball is designed with 11.7 scholarships, every scholarship is extremely valuable. And there's a lot of programs, a lot of conferences that, you know, guy gets hurt. They take the money away. Well, the big 10 and Penn state in, in particular, they don't, we don't do that. We don't take somebody's money away because they're hurt or they're not performing well or anything like that. So these are two guys that got hurt in high school. We're very worried that they were going to be okay. You know, financially as far as their their education their scholarships they came here we just got them healthy we basically they were able to come they worked towards getting a Penn State degree and then they both signed you know they're both guys that got drafted and got better and got and that's what's so cool about it is you watch these guys and they've got world-class facilities they they can win here they can get better they know that they're going to be taken care of because of what our university stands for you know we could go probably 45 90 minutes talking to this and we'll just have to do another one again. But before Perfect. I let you go, I know you're a big reader. So what I see seven books stacked up over there. What's, what's right now on the Rob Cooper well, bookshelf. So these are, these are ones that I've already read. Um, you know, I'm a big Ryan holiday guy. He, he, he's read, I mean, he's written the obstacles, the way the ego is the enemy. Um, Sam Sheridan, this book right here, fighter's heart. He's also written a book called the fighter's mind. Um, Top Dog uh, is a great book about the science of winning and losing. But these are ones that I've, and then also Augie Garrido's book, you know, who, you know, passed away recently and, but one of the greatest coaches ever in college baseball. Right, right now I'm actually, I've got like three books going at once at home right now. Um, And I just, I like to read. I think that you're impacted by the, you know, the people that you surround yourself with and what you read. And, and so um, I usually have like two kind of coaching, motivational, whatever type books, uh, leadership. And then I usually have something having to do with military history or World War II or something like that going. Who appreciate the time. We, again, we could do this uh, for hours. So maybe we'll have you on again sometime soon, maybe during the season on a road trip or something like that. That'd be fun, man. I appreciate it, Trip. You do a great job. Uh, Penn State baseball head coach Rob Cooper with us here on Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. If you're interested in any of our other episodes, make sure you click around. You'll find those there as well. Also, make sure you like our podcast, subscribe to our podcast, and share it with your friends as well. We'll talk to you next week here on Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics.